We live in the most connected era of all of history, and yet statistics prove that we are lonelier as a society than ever. Welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We're so excited that you could be here with us. My name is David Bloom. And I'm Alan Briggs. Today we have a special guest, Kristen Schell. Um, She is the author of The Turquoise Table, and she is doing some beautiful things in neighborhoods. And really, there's a movement that's starting around what she's experiencing and doing. Today's conversation is awesome. I mean, in all 50 states, I think she says 11 different countries, there are literally turquoise picnic tables where people are gathering, they're getting coffee, they're getting food. She's just an incredible person. And I loved how vulnerable she is. She just opens up her heart and cracks open to talk about different conversations like loneliness, something we don't hear about very often, busyness, admissions in her own life, some of the unfulfillment she was feeling with kids and just the process of that. Kristen's become a good friend. When I wrote the book, Staying as a New Going, I was so excited to hear she was in process of writing her book called The Turquoise Table. So if you haven't picked that up, make sure that you do. Today's a great conversation, some fun stories, and Kristen tracks along with her story to be able to share stuff that is applicable to every single one of us because all of us live around people and they need to experience a deeper love, a deeper fulfillment in their lives. So as we always encourage you to do, grab your favorite cup of joe, put in your earbuds, and let's track along with today's podcast with our friend, Kristen Schell. Welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Guys, I am really pumped for today's episode. Um, Ashamed to say, kind of a virtual friend of mine. We have not yet connected in person, but I feel like we are doing such similar things. Um, today, I have Kristen Shell with me. Now, Kristen uh, comes from Austin, and you'll hear more, is very, very connected to her neighborhood, is doing some wacky things and some fun and simple things with her kids and her family. Uh, and so this turquoise table movement is what we kind of want to uncover and shake a little bit to the ground today. So Kristen, thanks for being with us today on the podcast. I mean, like you said, I can't believe we haven't met face to face. And so, but I feel like we are kindreds, just a state apart. So it's nice to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. Your your stories are always fun to see via social media. And um, Kristen's written a book uh, as well to make sure she shares uh, about that. Make sure you guys pick that up, The Turquoise Table. Um, just love the specifics, uh, what's going on in your life. And so um, talk to me about um, your journey into neighboring and your journey into actually having a picnic table that is painted turquoise. How did you get there? How did your story lead you into that next step for you? Okay, well, there was no plan because really, who like maps out a plan to put a picnic table and a turquoise one at that in their front yard? So um, it was a little unlikely, um, and and I like to de- to say that God delighted in in using me in a very un um, you know unexpected way. And I um, I live in Austin, Texas, as you said, and my husband Tony and I have four children. And they are teenagers now. In fact, we just launched our oldest son into college. Um, He's a freshman this year. But about 10 years ago, you can imagine having four children, you know, in in these young, young and, and growing ages. I was 
I was just a busy mom, right? And that looked a lot like um, spending a lot of time in the minivan, going from one place to another, not a lot of table time, even though we craved family dinners. Um, And honestly, just like felt like I was a hamster spinning on a wheel and all good. So it kind of snuck up on us a little bit because things life seemed really good. But it was just really busy and chaotic. And I started having this longing, kind of this, just this sense that maybe there was something more like, how could I, how could I get off, you know, sort of this, this, this hamster wheel, if you will. And so that was going on. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out because, you know, even taking one thing off the plate, you know, was a sacrifice. You know, how do you tell your youngest daughter she can't go to ballet because mommy's tired and busy, right? (laughs) So there's that sense. And then there was this sense of this new era of communication, the digital age. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I know you probably know as parents, like, how do we raise these digital natives? And so this busyness and this, you know, this new, new unchartered territory of iPhones and, and iPods and, and screens left Tony and I kind of scratching our heads. Like, what do, how are we going to unplug from it all? How can we create a sense of place? And so that's really where it started. It wasn't intentionally just to get to know my neighbors. Of course, even though I knew, you know, that, that, you know, scripture tells us to love our neighbors, it was actually more of just a desperate need to slow my family down um, and to have a place where we could unplug and, and connect. So that's kind of what was going on in my mind. I called myself the, you know, queen of crazy and, you know, frazzled and distracted all the time. Um, and that's sort of where my heart condition was when the table arrived in my front yard. I love it. The you know what's funny, Kristen, is kind of working backwards. I don't know anybody in this sphere that's loving their physical, their proximate neighbors right around them that set out with this grand plan. And I, you know, I write about it and staying as a new going and how here we are and it was kind of like this duh moment. Like maybe, maybe I should actually love these people or maybe I should get to know them. And it was never this grand plan. So I can definitely identify on that. And so, okay, that's that's what leads you up to this and kind of this this settling feeling like I want to be placed. Where did you move from that desire to actually changing your practices? So, you know, again, and, and I think, again, you know, just watching and, and hindsight, you know, how God was weaving all of this and, you know, into to being, it was, um, it's certainly a lot clearer now, um, but about... 10 years ago, we moved into the home that we're in now. And so at this time of sort of busyness and, you know, and sort of, and and people, even myself and, you know, especially myself, you know, relying more heavily on digital communication, texting friends instead of calling them, um, using, you know, social media now as as, instead of Christmas cards, if you will. Um, We also then moving into the new home realized gosh, we don't see our neighbors. We don't see, we see garages going up and we see garages going down and we see seemingly really nice people disappearing behind them, right? And so then this this sort of wave of nostalgia, if you will, of 
I grew up running outside and, you know, it, I might be glorifying it a little bit now when we tell the stories of I was outside until I knew it was time to come home. Um, but that's not a far cry from from the way that I roamed in the neighborhood with other neighborhood kids. Um, and I realized my kids were hardly outside ever at all. I mean, they'd go ride on their bikes, but they always had a destination. They weren't just kind of outside kicking the can, so to speak, with other neighbors. And so that's when sort of this perfect storm, if you will, happened. We didn't really know any of our neighbors. I knew the ones who were most like me, meaning moms who I would bump into at the grocery store who happened to be a neighbor or, you know, on the soccer field who happened to be a neighbor. But I didn't really, in the context, know the person right next door to me. And so when the table arrived, I actually, it, it's just a plain old t- picnic table. I got it at Lowe's. It's the kind you see everywhere. There is absolutely nothing special about it. I ordered it for extra seating for a barbecue. But when the barbecue was over, I was like, what am I going to do with this table? And I knew that it was going to, that it needed to be something special. And it just, it came to me, I'm going to put it in the front yard and I'm going to paint it turquoise because that's my favorite color. And I'm just going to see what if, it was this big hypothesis, what if we took our ordinary activities like homework, eating pizza, craft projects, you know, birthday parties, things we're already doing. And what if moving them from the backyard or from our kitchen table, what if we just did them outside in the front yard and created this sort of sense of place, this, you know, this visibility, um, what would that, what would happen? And so that is literally all of the thought process that went into the turquoise table. It was a big what if. And, um, and so I did, we put that table out and it's been five years since we put the turquoise table in our front yard. And I joke that, um, you know, people are at the time, they're like, you did that on purpose. And I was like, well, I live in Austin and our city motto is keep Austin weird. So I had a really good kind of, you know, backdoor exit. I could always just say, oh, I was just, you know, being weird because I live in Austin. Um, Because I had no idea what people would think of a turquoise picnic table in the front yard. But that's the backstory, um, if you will. I love it. And you know, it, it kind of debunks that idea. Like, in, if I'm going to do something that really matters, it's got to be amazing. It's got to be deeply innovative and and groundbreaking. In the simplicity that it's, I had a table, didn't know what to do with it. Already, we're doing these things. My favorite color is turquoise. So yep. simple, but to keep doing that and keep applying that, as you know, is is really where the magic is at. And we in our neighborhood. As we started to do more of this, Kristen, we talk about from additional to intentional. Instead of doing more, just do what you already do intentionally. Like it could be that simple. We can't just create more time or more energy. Um, We already have stuff going on and, you know, we don't want to be frantic, but we already got stuff, right? We already need to get the kids to school. How can we do that more intentionally? And, And I love that. And I hear that in your story. What surprised you as you've built relationships with your neighbors? Well, what surprised me early on was just the stickiness of it and that people immediately wanted their own tables as well. Like I never expected that. And so even the very first little gathering I had was very spontaneous and impromptu, nothing planned. Uh, You know, I invited about four girls to women to come over and bring their own coffee and just stop in and and sit at the table. And and so I could tell them about it. And while we were there, I could just see um, just the 
this head nodding and this affirmation of, oh my goodness, you know, this is so simple to your point. You know, we didn't have to make a plan. It wasn't on the calendar. We didn't get analysis paralysis. We all just showed up this morning. And that was what I was craving. And and clearly my three or four neighbors at the time were too. But what I didn't expect was for them to get out their iPhones and for them to order picnic tables right then and there for their front yards. And so that's when I thought, okay, there's got to be something deeper and 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 to that sort of intentionality that you're talking about in your neighborhood, if this is resonating with me and my family and maybe four or five others, who who else might it resonate with? So I really started doing some soul searching on what those needs were that I was feeling and, and what it might mean for building community in the neighborhood. And that's really where the whole thing started. It was table first and then you know, bring people together, listen to what their needs are, realize there's a commonality and share that with other people. And that's kind of the whole secret sauce behind the turquoise table. Love it. So simple. So why do you think the movement is spreading across the country? What What's behind that? What are people longing for? Well, I think very similar to me, you know, and, and people articulate it in different ways. Um, we are overconsumed in so many ways, as you know, and whether that's digital media or just a muchness about um, our calendars and all of that, that there's, there's just this sense of frazzledness in our lives where we have very little margin um, without feeling guilty to just slow down and be ordinary. You know, like, I, I feel like when, and, and I've got teenagers now too in high school that, that I tell all the time, like, it's okay to be normal. Like, I want you to be normal. And sometimes parents look at me like, you're telling your child not to be like a uber superstar. And I'm like, no, I want them to be normal. Just what happened to that? Right. And so there's this craving um, for, for, for this, for a disconnection from, from, from all of the things that we're bombarded with, news cycles, it's everything's 24 seven, you know that it's, it's, we live in the most connected era of all of history. And yet statistics prove that we are lonelier as a society than ever. And so in a very real way, if I want to name it, I was lonely. I had no idea I was lonely because I was so busy and I have four children and a husband and our, mar- our, our marriage was good and I had lots and lots of friends. I probably had too many friends. And so loneliness wouldn't be the first attribute that I would ascribe to myself. But looking back, that's what it was because I wasn't going deep. I was going so wide, but I wasn't going deep. And so sitting at the table with two or three people cured that. I mean, that's the, that, that was the, the answer to what I was longing for real conversation with just a handful of people. And so it's this mantra that we've, we've adopted called gather small and love deep, which is really opposite of what the world tells us like big, 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 you know, get a platform, be out there and and meet as many people and achieve and climb. And yet what, what I'm finding is that resonates with people all across America is this very ordinary, humble space where there's just a handful of people, but you can go deep. Love it. Such good tweetables in there. The idea, you know, slow down and be ordinary that you're telling your kids and probably trying to ingest yourself and gather small. 
love deep. I want to time out for that idea of loneliness for a second. We at Stay Forth Designs, as we coach and, and we consult, loneliness comes up and yet it's hard to name. So thanks for naming it and being vulnerable enough to say, looking back, that's what it was, kind of this gnawing sense of, of loneliness. And we say there's a difference between loneliness and isolation, that loneliness is a feeling, but isolation is a posture where we live our lives in a posture of, no, I'm good, I'm fine, everybody, you know, we seem neat and tidy and busy and all of that, when maybe we're, we're dying from the inside out in many ways. And so the fact that you can just name that is so powerful, because I wonder how many of us, the lonelier we feel, the busier we get. And that seems to be the cycle. And so to kind of pull out of that and get a different perspective, um, so valuable. If you're listening to this, Take a heart check for just a, a moment to say, am I lonely? And yet, am I overly busy in the midst of that? Ironically, it's so strange the the time that we live in. So thanks for naming that in our culture. And uh, Kristen, talk a little bit about the barriers that we face. As we try to love our neighbors well, what are some really uh, common barriers that you think all of us face when we're going to try to love, especially our proximate neighbors? Well, I think the first thing is fear. <laughs> and again, that one's a hard one to name because you're like, I'm not afraid of my neighbors. You know, they're nice people or maybe they're different, but we don't as ascribe fear. Um, but but deep rooted in us is that fear or fear of, well, what if they, what if we don't really get along? What if it's not, you know, the relationship that I wanted it to be? And then, oh my goodness, I'm stuck because we're, we both live here. You know, there's like, what if... You know all of the sort of the the, the what ifs and that that come um, with fear, and I think that that is because we are out of practice of having these deep relationships. Back to the loneliness, you know, when you know when we're living in more isolated um, environments, um, whether imposed or self-imposed, you know, by by society you know, we, we, we lose that skill, that communication skill, even something as simple as, you know, and we don't, we haven't been doing it long enough, but, but think about, you know, in 20 or 30 years, what, what will sociologists and people say about just the texting? You know, what, what does that mean from losing eye contact and losing that, you know, voice intonation and how does communication change from that? And so I think there's a fear because we have to be the next big word vulnerable. So somebody has to go first. Um, and in my case, it was me. And so if you're listening and thinking that maybe you want to get to know your neighbors, it might mean you. And, and so there's risk there's a, you know, and, and I say that lightly, you know, but, but there is a little bit of, of, of risk in that you have to open a door and go introduce yourself and invite someone into your life. Most people tell me their, that their initial fear is what if no one comes? What if no one comes? And I retort to that and I say, are you afraid no one will come? Or are you afraid they will stay? And that puts a whole new twist on it. it and it's it, very similar to, to things you talked about, you know, in your book, Staying is the New Going, is that, you know, when we when we commit to loving our neighbors, we're we're we don't choose them and we're not stuck, but you know, it's not like you can come back home on a flight from some, uh, an experience you didn't like, or you're there. Right. And so I think subconsciously those things play a little bit. There's the underlying percolation of it. Um, so those are some of the things, um, that I think inhibit people from just taking that first step. Now on the flip side, 
I have not had one person tell me that they regret it. And there are now turquoise tables in all 50 states and 11 countries. And so we know, and you know, and you don't have to have a table, just the fact of showing up and starting a relationship on a very simple, easy manner, coffee, you know, have a pizza night, whatever that may look like in your neighborhood, um, you won't regret it. You won't. <laughs> I love it. There's a... Uh actually a church that I'm coaching. They have a huge emphasis uh, on neighboring, and they're, they're wanting to know, how do we get practical with this and sort of get it more and more in the lifeblood of this church? And they've chosen to call them neighborhood initiators. And I love yeah, that phrase because then they celebrate the risk in the next step. Because a champion, it's like, oh man, like I, I don't have a medal around my neck and, you know, the, a champion. I don't know if that's me, but literally, are, can you initiate a conversation for somebody? It's going to be food for somebody else. It's going to be, you know, around their kids because they feel like, Hey, that's what, you know, draws the most attention. And that's where my time is at is with my kids. And so whatever that looks like, I think there's just such an authenticity in the fact of it's, Hey, it's a table and Hey, it's outside. And Kristen and I are front yard people. Uh, and so we immediately, get along in that in that sense. But what are we already doing um, that could have more in, intention and meaning? One of the things that we say as well is proximity goes up or needs to go up um, as we continue to, to draw near to one another. And as proximity goes up, you know, you get to kind of know the good, the bad, the ugly uh, about other people's lives, but also at the same time, boundaries go up. I always get questions about boundaries. I'm sure you do as well. Oh, yes. um, what boundaries, even if they're just really simple, practical boundaries, have you put up in place so you don't burn yourself and your family out on loving those around you? That's really hard. And that's, I mean, hands down, that's one of the most important things. In fact, I, um, and, and I don't have that one conquered. I am an Enneagram seven. I am an extroverts extrovert and yeah. I am Seven's always, or, or, yeah, there you go. So, uh, you know, I am, I am by God's divine appointment and, and wisdom married to the best boundary that I have. And my husband is, he, he reels me in. He is my checkmate. He is my partner in this. And while he may not be, you know, the one next door, you know, having coffee with, with, you know, our elderly neighbor, he's the one that will say, you need, you need a day, you need a day, or just please say no to something. And so having that has just been incredible, but I do have to learn to watch the warning signs of, you know, refilling my cup so that I can, you know, we, I can continue to be the, the wife, the mother, the friend, the neighbor that I need to be. Um, and I don't get that right. Even probably half the time, my goodness. So if you need an expert on that, that's another podcast, but um, but it's it's led me into this next sort of interesting journey of inward hospitality um, and how important that is to, um, you know, to to loving ourselves and soul care, if you will, to loving others. Um, and so that's, you know, it takes hospitality in a whole new um, kind of direction. But I think it's actually um, it's, it's one we cannot overlook because if we're constantly on and if we're constantly giving and we're constantly with the neighbors, um, yeah, you, everyone would burn out. And so I do caution folks um, early on, you know, then this eagerness when the table first arrives and there's the first event and, you know, people are, are, are feeling, you know, connected to neighbors, you know, like, what do we do next? What do we do next? And, and 
it's become sort of my teaching role to just to just say maybe nothing, maybe just enjoy your neighbors now. Um, and you don't have to be doing something. So we practice a lot of um, being at the table and not doing at the table. Inward hospitality. I love that phrase. You know, we talk a lot about rest and a lot about Sabbath at Stay Forth Designs and the idea that God's at work even when we're not. And yet inward hospitality. I love that. I think maybe we are least hospitable to ourselves right? many times as we give, give, give. Um, so such good reminders on that. And if you're listening to know, uh, there isn't an expert status of neighboring where you get it perfect. So I appreciate your vulnerability in that. And <laughs> You, you stumble through it because as proximity goes up, you know, the boundaries need to as well. So you mentioned Tony in there. We know it, it takes a family to continue to, to neighbor well. But I'm curious, how has loving your neighbors strengthened your family? Well, you'll have to ask the teenagers because I'm not allowed to speak for them. But <laughs> since I'm their mother and they're in school, you know what? That it has given us a sense of place. And you know, when we first, when I first started telling you the story, you know that there I was feeling a longing for that pl- for just a place. Um, you know, there's experts that call it placemaking and a and a place of home, if you will. Um, but I was longing for that, and my family is included in that longing of where I wanted us to be rooted. And they, they will, they may say it differently, um, but as they are entering that grown and flown stage and one, like I said, off in college, um, he came home over Christmas break and was like, it is so good to be back home. And, and he claimed the sense of place. And I think it's because it's familiar. It's not just what we're doing on the inside of our walls, but it's, it's knowing all the people around us, um, and that they've had a place of that too. And, and, um, and so going away is sometimes now hard, but coming home is even more rejoice, rejoicing. And so I think it's taught us that. I think it's taught us to slow down. Um, I know it's taught us to unplug um, from media as much as possible. I mean, we're not, you know, I, I mean, we're all on our phones still probably more than we should be, but we're conscious about it. And we do have special times um, where, the, well, the Wi-Fi didn't even work out at the table, so that's a huge plus, you know. So it, it's there um, you go. So it's not good, I know. And so, so all of those things they may be small, um, and again, you know, I, it's not ever going to make the headlines. But I mean, goodness gracious, if 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 kids have a sense of place and our family feels like we belong, belonging is a huge. Um, answered prayer for so many people when um, they begin to build community themselves, even if they're the initiators, you know, um, creating a sense of belonging for someone else in the neighborhood or for themselves is just, I mean, that's priceless. So I get this question a lot, um, and I'm, I'm sure you do as well. I'm curious on your take of this. When people say, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to love my neighbors. Maybe even I want to love my neighbors, but I have no clue where to start. What do you say? How do we start loving our neighbors? Well, the first thing is don't overthink it, you know, because you can get analysis paralysis and, and you know, looking for a whole host of, of ways. The best thing to do is just show up. And I know that sounds simple and you're like, okay, but I need more than show up. I'm like, well, do you, you know, maybe start with just who is directly across the yard, the hall, the fence, you know, who is someone that you recognize that, you know, that lives right there that you don't even know their name and 
just introduce yourself. You don't need a big batch of cookies. You can make them if you want. You don't, you don't need anything. And that's, I think as, you know, kind of consumers and Americans and, and that's a hard thing for us to swallow. Um, just show up, knock on a door and say, hi, and it'll be a little bit awkward at first, like maybe a minute or two, but just past that initial stage um, is a relationship waiting to happen. Otherwise, you could you know, ask somebody you do know in your neighborhood. And this is a common you know, tactic that, that we say is find, find someone you know, and host a party. Or, or, and when I say party, I am talking like, bring your own coffee. We're going to be out before soccer on you know, Saturday morning. Or we're having a garage sale. Y'all just all come bring your junk. Whatever um, works. What works in Austin, Texas may not work in Maine or Minnesota. And so I, I like to, you know, educate and have people really think, well, what is, what do you notice about your neighborhood that a need that could be met? You know, what, what some way y'all would like to gather um, that I can't tell you sitting from, you know, the capital of Texas. So it's, it's, it does take a little bit of thought and I like to say a whole lot of prayer and then just show up and let God do the rest. I love it. So simple. And if you guys are listening and think, um, I can't do that, I could never do that. Well, you're not supposed to do what Kristen's doing. You're supposed to do, you know, how you uniquely do you in that sense. And so I think that's what I get from this conversation from others who who are doing this out there. Is it something really unique and specific to them and to their place? And it sounds like really, Kristen, to your own personality. And so I, I love that. Thanks for sharing uh, today. We could go hours and I'm sure we will. We'll meet up here soon and and swap stories and hear kind of the, the funny and fun and amazing things um, that are unfolding right there in your neighborhood. Um, how can people join the movement? How can people follow along with you and, and learn from what you're doing? Well, they can pick up the book, The Turquoise Table, and then we have an online community. And if you Google the turquoise table, um, or even turquoise table, the hardest part spelling turquoise. But if you just enter that into your Google search bar and you will find our community. Um, and I, we've, we've got newsletters and, um, a podcast and all kinds of ways just to keep you encouraged. Um, and one of my biggest joys now is just retelling the stories of other people. Um, and so it's, it's a great place for encouragement, um, to hear what other people are like-minded people are doing across the country. Awesome. Well, uh, Kristen, I always like to leave our guests with just a few questions. Uh, and the, the question for you guys listening is what's your next step? What's your next right step? You don't need to have your next 10 steps, but what's your next right step to initiate with a neighbor, somebody in proximity, take time to think about that next step, even put it on the calendar when you're going to do that and go take your next step and secondly, it's in what areas of your life do you need to slow down? In what areas of your life do you need to slow down? There's so much that we believe God wants to do in your life. You're uniquely designed for impact. And Kristen, you are uniquely designed for exactly what you're doing right now. Thanks for leading this movement. Thanks for um, all of what you're doing right there in your neighborhood and literally across the world with the turquoise table. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Alan. I appreciate it. So as always, guys, we'd love to have you rate this, share this, take a screenshot of this. That really helps us get the word out there with other people for amazing guests like Kristen that we have today. If this interests you, I'm sure it will interest your friends. So go ahead and share this message with other people as you continue to track along with our podcast. 
such a fun conversation with Kristen. I mean, she is full of stories and it's just fun to talk to people who are very ordinary people who've done extraordinary things. I mean, all over the world now, there are turquoise tables and that started in somebody's front yard and that somebody is Kristen. So it's been really fun uh, to be able to talk about kind of this neighboring movement. You're hearing more and more about so many tweetable things in there too. And she says, slow down and be ordinary. I love that idea of just slow our pace and then to just be faithful, just be ordinary, do really, really simple things. I think the second thing for me was just that idea of gather small, love deep. And she shared that often we try to do the opposite of that. We try to gather really, really big and we kind of give you know everybody just a little piece of ourselves. And so um, Kristen's a real deal and just, I thought, gave us some phenomenal places of where to actually start as we talk through neighboring. And so, uh, David, I know you've been super involved in, in neighboring. We actually had the privilege of um, teaching a course and now releasing that um, together. And so we have some video trainings about that. Um, share a little bit about that, because that would be a great next step for our listeners wondering, what do I actually do next? Yeah, on our resource page, we have um, two video sessions of training as well as an ebook with five really, really practical um, rhythms on how you can love your neighbors well. And after I wrote the book, Staying as a New Going, I found there was this big gap between reading the book and saying, yeah, I'm passionate about my neighbors and I maybe even convicted. I feel like I need to love those who I'm in proximate relationship with, who live 50 and 100 and 200 feet away from my own house. I don't know how to get started. And so David and I began to think about what does this look like? And so we put this video training together for individuals, for families, for churches to actually go through that together. So we think that that will get you guys the foundations that you need to get started, to take those initiating risks in your neighborhood. And the Bless Guide is a very, very simple process that David and I have come up with together. And we're just really excited about what that's going to do and the churches, the individuals, the families that are going to start using that. So if we can encourage you to do anything after this session, is to take your next right step. Don't just listen to Kristen and hear how cool it is that God is using her in her neighborhood. God can use you too. It's really, really simple. And after writing the book, and I have people you know, send me emails, I get the privilege of hearing really, really cool stories of people just tangibly living out the love of Jesus in their neighborhoods. So our resource page will be linked in the show notes as well as Kristen's book, uh, The Turquoise Table. And so we would encourage you to grab that And we hope that every episode reminds you that you can indeed live healthy and have a greater impact. Everything we do at Stay Forth Designs is to remind you that health first and impact later. We believe that you can accomplish huge things in the course of your life, but we want you to stay healthy while you do it. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We can't wait to bring you more amazing guests in the future. 